Hey everybody, welcome back to the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. A few weeks ago, one of our hosts, Rick, had the chance to preach. And I don't know if our listeners happened to be in church that Sunday, but you said something that stuck out to me. Um, You were given the example of a puzzle piece and the puzzle box cover, and you said it must be exhausting to try to control everything. So Ben and Rick, I'd love to talk about today, why do we have the nature of wanting to control everything? I think that there's a there's a myriad of possible answers for that question, and I think it would vary person to person. But I think maybe at the core of a lot of it is just the basic idol of self, right? Like we find that to be the first the and the first instance of sin. If you open Genesis chapter three and you find the fall, that really what's appealed to is this desire to be the way that the serpent presents it in in the garden is to be like God. Uh, and I think that lures our hearts in a variety of different ways that we seek control, we seek to to be able to dictate how things go or how we feel things should go or whatever it may be. And I think that drives us in a lot of ways. Um, but the point of, that I was trying to make in that message, and, and it's been a couple of weeks, so I'll try to remember it as I can, is how unbelievably exhausting that is in that you don't have to be alive very long to recognize you control very little. But then we still somehow recognize that on one end and then live our lives in a way that completely contradicts that recognition. And so that's what's interesting to me about this human condition, our fallen condition, is that I don't think anybody listening to this would go, no, I have the ability to control everything, mm-hmm. right? Like COVID taught us, every, should have taught everyone if you didn't know before that. No, you really don't. Um, that anyone would listen to this podcast and say, no, I, I think I do. But all of us still live so much of our lives in a manner that would reflect that we at some level believe that we do, or at least are trying to believe that we do. So I don't know. What do you think, Ben? What a, can you remind me if you, in fact, remember? Because I know how it goes with <laughs> set lists. At least I delete it as soon as it's completed yeah. from my brain. But what what was the relationship to between that idea and the like the puzzle pieces and box. Yeah, I was I was talking about this this idea that we live our entire lives and make all of the decisions in our lives based off of if we understand God's story to be a big overarching narrative that was existing long yeah, before that's us. Yeah, that's the top, right? Yeah, that's yeah, the that's the whole picture, right? That's the yeah. top of the puzzle box. And if you try to do it yourself, you're yeah, doing it without you're, that picture. You're looking at one little tiny piece of a picture that's, you know, I don't even know how many pieces we would put on the entire narrative of God's redemptive story called the gospel. Yeah, it's at least it's at least a couple thousand pieces. Uh, and it was just trying to go. Hey, we're trying to assemble what we think this puzzle should be based off of one tiny, tiny, and the the reality of it is one tiny fraction of a puzzle piece in the scheme of a puzzle of millions of pieces, if not billions. And so, trying to talk about it that way. But we live our lives so exhaustedly trying to exist in that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I was talking about what, when you know, when I lay it out that way, I think that the not there wouldn't be much pushback. But what? Why do we continue to, even though recognizing there wouldn't be much pushback against that, to to drive our lives in that direction? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting thought. When when Sam, when you were first asking the question, I was thinking more in terms of like doing that on like a micro scale, where you're just trying to like 
hold things together. Like I think specifically of an image of like somebody who's at like a family gathering and they're trying to like monitor and police like the behaviors of their family instead of just kind of releasing it and saying it like they're who they are and that's gonna have to be okay and I'll learn to kind of exist in that chaos versus like doing something very different on a much larger scale which maybe they're the same things just extrapolated at two very different levels but like this idea of existing in a place where you've kind of rejected whatever like meta narrative is generally used culturally for you to be able to operate within reality Um, and that's a really interesting idea especially because it seems to be what we're struggling with in like post-modernity right is trying to get rid of or reject or um, dissociate ourselves from uh, the more traditional um, meta ethic or meta narrative that's religious in nature and instead replacing it with something that's like post enlightenment uh, logic reason science the scientific process and that's that's really interesting to to see that unfold and and to try to figure out where it's going to go but i definitely thought of it more from like that micro scale and i'm wondering for you guys do you do you notice or do you see on that micro scale does it tend to does it tend to vary person by person how much they're tempted in that direction to try to control the things around them or do you find that pretty much everybody struggles with it about the same well, I think that the term control freak exists for people who who are hyper sensitive to control. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I it think, does vary as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it does vary. Um, and then it might vary by season, too, because I've I've seen myself try to control more when it comes to my children mm. or my family instead of just trusting God. And, and instead of trusting myself, or maybe it's a different piece of the pie for different people. You know, like I'll give God control over X, Y, and Z, but the rest of the alphabet is mine. <laughs> yeah, I, okay. think, I think for me, I, I see it. I would use a different word than season, although I like that word and I think it's good. Uh, it's almost, I see this idea of control play out in different aspects of life. So, I can find where some people, you know, even in parents, like you might find a parent that is super like, hey, my kids are going to be what my kids are going to be. The more kind of free will, free spirited, like, hey, let them be what they're going to be. They'll learn consequences on their own. You know, let them play with the rusted playground equipment and they'll figure out spatial awareness or whatever. And they're kind of hands off in that area. But I, the more that I've interacted with they people, tend, they tend to figure out spatial awareness head first. I've noticed, <laughs> yeah, just yeah, as a side in a painful, note. in a yeah, painful way. There's usually blood involved. <laughs> um, and then, but I've noticed, like, even if that was that case for that particular person, the longer that I've been in relationship with people, you find something right in each of our lives, and I'm sure that's the outworking of different experiences, different ways that we're brought up, different things that have happened to us in our background, and those kind of things. That for me, we kind of. I use this wording a lot, close our hand around it. And I like the idea that you had of like, hey, these things are open-handed and I'm they're, they're free for discussion and there's some freedom in how I think about these things or how I allow people to inform these things. Or even if you're a believer, how, like, how I allow God to interact with these things. And then I think one of the big struggles for believers and then I would say for all of humanity is the close-handed issues, that it's like I know – because fundamentally what we're saying, at least in my opinion, in that in that place is, I know the best way to handle X, right? And that's X, of course, in that equation is whatever's in your hand, whether mm-hmm. that be childhood or finances, finances marriage, or yeah. Yeah, business status or whatever it may be. I know the best way to handle this. And because I know the best way, I have total control, right? And, and I think of the funny 
I don't know what this is going to say about me that this shows up in my, you know, in my social media feeds when I'm scrolling through there. But like the little meme where it's like one of my toxic traits is like I complain about people not helping me clean up. And then when people come in and clean up, I complain about the way that they clean up. And so like, uh, you know, that's in my algorithm. I don't know what that says about me. That's probably something I need to work through. But um, (laughs) so uh, you would make the argument that everyone struggles with it. Mm-hmm. Period, or at least to some extent. Yeah, I think I would. So, I would, would you say it doesn't vary, or would you just say that although everyone struggles with it, it's still the case that some people have more close hands, close-handed issues than others? Or sure, yeah, I think. I mean, I think it's for me. I think it's we're all naturally bent in. Obviously, if you're going to use it, if we're going to talk about this from the Bible side, like we're naturally bent in certain sinful directions, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're not a if you're not a Christian, then maybe you would agree with that. Maybe you don't. We're glad you're here either way. But that all of us are bent in certain sinful directions, and I think those bends cause us often. I find that where my sin nature maybe most bends me, or where I struggle the most to trust in God's providence in my life, are the areas that it becomes easiest for me to close my hand around. But then, interestingly enough, those often become the areas that either result in the greatest amount of anxiety, or Sometimes I would even go as far as misery, and I know that's weird because we said some people have uh, maybe a huge percentage of people put child like children and family in that close-handed thing, and then to put misery on that puts a really negative light on it. And that's certainly not my intention. Although I think that living close-handed like that, even when it comes to children, robs you of the joy that you could experience if it wasn't entirely dependent on you and your ability and your qualifications and capabilities to be quote unquote the perfect perfect parent or perfect financial manager or whatever it may be but there like at least for conversation's sake it seems that there are certain areas in which you can and should exert your influence in order to try to gain some control if for nothing else than to be able to order or organize something in a meaningful way that produces greater efficiency which is a really fancy way to say sometimes it's it's your responsibility to get involved and change something for the better. Sure. So how, I guess my, my question is what, is there a type of control which is good and a tr- type of control which is dangerous or is it a question of the extent? Like if you try to exert too much control, then it's dangerous, but too little is also too dangerous. Like how does that work? Yeah. I know that's a really interesting question, one that I didn't <laughs> know you were going to ask. Uh, Neither did I. <laughs> and yet here we are. Yeah, I think I, I'm a huge proponent of like when it comes to these complex, whether it be ethical, moral, whatever, whatever category we want to stuff these kind of questions into. The place that I like to start is motive, right? Like why, why do I desire to have this amount of control? And I think you hit on something really important to me is like, is this an attempt to make it better? But then there's an even deeper question: What is better, right? Yeah. Like, what yeah. what direction are you steering that ship? And so, I think motive would be a place that I would start in that discussion. As you look at these areas of your life that you're trying to control, and then I would say, what what level of control do you look to have? And because I think there's varying there's varying levels of closed handedness, right? Like, it's not not everyone views their children as my hand is completely closed and nobody touches this other than me, although there are certainly people that view their responsibility as raising a child to be that, that this is my responsibility and I'm going to do all of this. I'm going to I am going to be the educator. I am going to be the informer. I'm going to be all of those kind of things. And there's there's people who go, hey, 
I'm going to, you know, to use the whatever cliche term, like, hey, I'm going to have a village of people, but I'm going to control the village. And that's maybe a little bit more open handedness. And I think there's control is not necessarily I would agree with you. Control is not necessarily the bad thing there. I think that we're clearly dictated by Scripture, if you're a believer, to have to exercise some level of control over your children. They're your responsibility to shepherd, to care for in the way that we would word it here to spiritually develop. But the methodology and maybe the mindset that you would use and how you would approach that control and the reason why you seek to have that level of control, I think, are important for me. I don't know if that answered your question or if I just danced around for a while. (laughs) A bit of both, which is really the best way to answer a question, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Sam, I'm like, I I tend to, I don't know if you're recognizing this for yourself or or if you were just mentioning it, it as an example, but like with raising a child in particular that seems to be an area where it's very very difficult to tread that line Mm -hmm. is that like that's one of my difficult areas to loosen up the hand is that one for you too yeah yeah definitely i remember you find like good ways to i remember this may not be the best example but i remember we were on a camping trip and we were hiking and um drew and i are usually on the same page when it comes to parenting and and this wasn't like a behavior issue but it was oh my gosh you're getting a little too close to the edge and there's a drop off, you know. You mean this literally? Yes, literally. Oh gosh, I thought we're, we were in we're, metaphorical we're back territory. To, we're, we're back to the spatial awareness yes. situation. Yes. So you know, I, I don't know. It was it was a moment for me where I was like, okay, I can I can worry every step of this trail, or I can trust that things are going to be okay. Like I'm telling my children, these are the boundaries, and I have to trust that they have enough spatial awareness and self preservation yeah. to stay on this side. And I remember Drew was a nervous wreck. Yeah, And it was because we're in an area where he basically didn't have control of the situation. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is a personal experience. But I think that overall it comes down to – now, this is a very different situation. But how much are you going to trust that, that God's protecting you? So, for me, that was my own personal experience. But what's happened with you that makes you think about the parenting control issue? <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a there's a whole even just listening to you talk. There's a whole nother, and this would be a, a whole nother episode because I don't think we want to get into this right now because this would be a nine hour episode. Is do you trust that God's protection is protection, right? Like even if it doesn't go the way that you want it to be, and that's the bigger like overarching question of do you believe that God is working all things for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose? And I don't I don't want to jump into that because I just pulled that verse out of out of context and didn't give it in the entirety that it is there in Romans, but that there's a piece of trusting that is protection, right? And then there's a piece of trusting that protection that doesn't go the way that I want it to go is still protection, is still a God, a part of God's providential will, and that jumps into faith, which I think is tough, even, but it plays a crucial role even in this discussion that we're talking about right now. Well, I think I'm in the minority whenever it comes to that, because I would say, yes, I do believe that. But I also haven't been tested. What's that? Sorry. I think Just I... trusting that even when things don't work out the way that they sh- that you think they should mm-hmm. or work out in your favor, like say my child did fall off the cliff. Yeah. Like would I still trust that that was God's ultimate protection? But like I said, right now, yes, that is what I believe, but I haven't been through those trials. So you'd have to ask me afterwards. Yeah, because you have to be careful about like – you can fully and wholeheartedly believe that God is going to protect you, but then the question becomes from what? Mm-hmm. Specifically, what does he promise to protect you from? Because one of the benefits we have in Scripture is that we actually have like 
we have documented evidence of exactly what he's promised. Mm-hmm. It's that's what the covenant is, um, and that's what Christ sacrificed is. Um, and it's really, really easy. Um, it's really, really easy to have your entire faith shattered when specifically you have an understanding of the promise in one way, but then you believe that promise has been broken because you had a fundamental misunderstanding of it. Yeah, and I like. I don't know with parenting the the personal experience I've had that makes me struggle with it is definitely losing Philip, losing my brother, um, I, and I don't want to go too much into it because that's not what this podcast is about. But what I will say is that I saw I saw how much my parents loved us very deeply um, and did everything they could within the confines of being human beings to try to make sure we were loved, appreciated, chased after, um, cared for that we had not only our basic needs, but some of those higher level wants. Uh, they worked very hard as parents. And I still saw a cataclysmic ending for him. Um, and that that in and of itself is really, really scary for me because I don't know what the, I don't know what the proper path is to avoid that outcome. And I don't know if there's anything I can do to avoid that outcome being a possibility. I can't preclude its possibility. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a pretty scary thing to, to walk through with, with parenting specifically. Well, let me ask you this, because obviously, that, I mean, yeah, that, that draws me in. That discussion particularly obviously draws me in. Um, going back to maybe the analogy that started this whole discussion today is it goes puzzle piece, puzzle box. And this is, this is my, my belief uh, from the losing of Philip and all of those kind of things. Like, I don't know that this side of heaven that I'll ever get to understand how that fits into the overarching puzzle box. Okay. Um, what would you tell somebody listening to, the, to this podcast? Because you, maybe you and I have some level of whatever cred, street cred, if you will, to be able to speak into a situation like this. When those kind of circumstances come in life, when when somebody does fall off of the cliff, when the, when the protection doesn't look like protection and there's no way inside of human rationale to make it feel protective, right? To make it feel like a warm and comfy toy. Um, where does faith that God is good and that God is protecting come from in those moments? Um, for I, you personally. Yeah, for me personally, and I wouldn't necessarily advertise this as the best way forward or the best ideology to adopt even in the context of suffering because I'm still, like most people that experience some kind of traumatic grief, I'm still working through what the best way to move forward is. Um, but what I would say is that in my situation right now, let me try to figure out how to organize this in my head. I definitely didn't think this is where the conversation was going to be going. <laughs> you, to be fair. you took it here, <laughs> but yeah, I really did. I have only myself to blame. Um, I would say, especially with uh, knowledge of passages of scripture, like Job, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily have a promise that if I do the right thing or if I'm righteous or if I, organize my life in a way that's pleasing or honoring to God, that it means that I can avoid the the pain of life or the cataclysm of life. But what it does mean is that if I behave in the way that God has called me to behave, um, number one, which we talked about some in previous weeks, the the suffering is, is given a context with meaning. 
And number two, I can avoid doing anything that's so deplorably stupid that it makes my life even more miserable than just its natural state. Um, and I know that seems that seems maybe sardonic or, or pessimistic, but I, I really do think that's that's a pretty reasonable way to walk through life, um, at least a way after a traumatic grief or something really bad happening to you a way to be able to take a, a few steps forward. So um, it's still, to me, it's still worth it to maintain that relationship with the divine that provides me with a moral structure and um, salvation itself because I avoid making any decisions that, yeah, like I said, make life even more miserable than it has to be. Yeah, I think it, it's for me like the the super uber catastrophic I don't have a, a neat file for that to go into in the filing cabinet of my brain or in the filing cabinet of my life, like those kind of situations that we've that we walked through with Philip and other things in life that have happened, you know, my car accident, those kind of things that don't that there's nowhere seemingly that I can tuck this thing that makes sense, right? That it's like, well, this is what I know God did. And I, I mean, obviously, there's tons of tiny lessons that I've gleaned from those kind of things and that I thank God for his faithfulness to teach and those kind of things, but it doesn't, like, like I get asked this question a lot, like, aren't you glad that you learned those things? Yeah, I'm, I'm, but I'd rather have my brother, right? Like, I, yeah. I, that's like, you know, and I, 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 you reference Job, I think that's the, Job's friends, right? Like, they mm-hmm. show up and it's like this just myriad of just unbelievably terrible advice. And it's like, one of the, the gifts of, of those circumstances that are beyond human explanation is one to make you examine what's closed handed in my life that shouldn't be closed handed. And it doesn't, I, I don't wouldn't say that I live entirely open handed. I try my best to maybe allow those kind of situations to open my hand more to what God's doing, to how God's working. But it also reminds me, and when I think about the, the incredible difficulty of that, like I have to shift from temporal to eternal. Mm-hmm. Right? I can't, my physical temporal body can't process that or if it does it jumps off into the i'm going to go do something unbelievably stupid that makes my temporal life even more miserable yeah than it than it is right now and it's and it's for me it's more it's more cliche like it's more than the cliche well like i know we're going to see him again one day like i i love and i hate that at the same time because it feels like some kind of surface level band-aid to a gunshot wound that people throw on when these kind of dark moments that we don't have an explanation or a reason for happen in people's lives. And I'm, I'm appreciative of that. I'm, I try to be appreciative of really bad advice, just recognizing that it's coming from a really good heart. And Most just of go, the time. Yeah. Sometimes you just, you just, okay, thank you. And move <laughs> on. Uh, and then think about hitting people. We can't yeah, say that on this podcast, but I did. <laughs> and I appreciate I think, that transparency. Yeah. And then just trying to go like, Hey, you know, there's, there's an eternal hope not just for my brother, not just for me, but for humanity as a result of the covenant that we find in Scripture and the new covenant that we find in Christ and in His atoning death, right? Yeah. And I think I, like, like trying to go, as much as I can, I'm going to open my life to be, God, th- you're the God who made this covenant, who then fleshed this covenant out. <laughs> yeah. To, to to call me to live obediently to that, and I can trust you even when trust, even when on when any temporal evidence that I could come up with on my own doesn't paint a picture of somebody trustworthy. Yeah, and it, 
I don't know with, with that particular issue, especially when I was walking through like struggles with faith and, and yeah, my relationship with God in the wake of Philip's death, I wasn't even, I wasn't in a place where I was looking for a worldview, which was the best. I was looking for a worldview, which was the least absurd in the face of suffering. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the story of Christ seems to offer the most like full throated response to suffering. So I kept that one around. (laughs) Um, But as far as like the issue of control and like recognizing that doing all the right things doesn't mean paradise, but it probably means closer to paradise than hell. Um, you can at least rest reasonably assured that doing the right thing, like I said, prevents you from descending further into hell. Um, and I've, I have found through personal experience and through that situation that like with the issue of control, yeah, I haven't found any evidence that resting control or trying to control everything myself avoids that negative outcome. In fact, most often I find that it does the opposite. Like I get it there faster. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a it's not a decision which removes me further from hell and closer to paradise. It gets me closer to hell and further from paradise. And you see that like I, I've personally seen that with Julian, my son, like those areas where I've been hyper paranoid and vigilant and tried to control every aspect of him. I've already seen fears crop up in him that make him unable to function properly as he grows in independence. So it's stuff like I'm so terrified in parking lots that I, I was, I was not even willing to hold his hand and walk. I had to be holding him cause I'm, I'm just mortified of the idea that somebody's going to be exactly as stupid as people tend to be. Uh, <laughs> and he's going to get hurt. So I'll just hold him. Well, now I drop him off at daycare every day and, and tell him if he walks all the way to his classroom, he'll get a jelly bean. He flat out refuses to do it. Mm-hmm. So I've wrested that control and said, I'm going to make sure by my own power that he doesn't get hurt. And it, it only makes things more miserable. And my, I want my son to be independent and bold and, and fearless and um, wresting that control away has created the opposite effect. I would recommend up in the ante. It's, I mean, I'm not. Two jelly beans. Yeah, I'm not walking across the parking lot. It's 107 degrees. I'm not walking Neither across the parking lot for a jelly. <laughs> That's bean. fresh in my mind because literally today was the first time I tried the jelly bean, and it didn't work. And it it actually is even worse than that because he still demanded that I carried him. So I took him into his classroom, and then I set him down and said, "All right, bye, buddy. Have a good day." And he turned around and said, "I want my jelly bean." <laughs> I was like, "I'm so sorry. I can't give it to you." <laughs> Well, sometimes these episodes are are fun and lighthearted. Today is one that I'm just going to have to replay for myself and kind of wrestle with. Like, what areas in my life am I still trying to control? Where am I fooling myself? Where I think I've relinquished control? I'll give you a jelly bean after you get done wrestling. (laughs) I need to, okay. (laughs) So I hope that this um, provokes some thoughts on your end. We'd love to hear about it. If you're listening to this now or if you see our post on social media, Um, reach out to us, message us, and don't forget to like and subscribe the podcast. It helps other people um, find this resource and may speak to them like it's speaking to you. So we'll see you in about two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.